Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, and guppies everywhere with posters of Michael Phelps pinned to their tanks. It's Thursday at 3 o'clock, and you know what that means? It's Tea with BVP. Live from the beautiful Michigan State University campus, it's your host, Bill Van Patten, a.k.a. BVP, international superstar and diva of SLA. And speaking of guppies... What? With me today are my co-hosts who know how to swim with the sharks... Angelica Kramer and Walter Hopkins. Say hi, kids. Hi, kids. Hello. Oh, my gosh. Look at this. Oh, we're getting a delivery here, a Starbucks delivery. And, and please look at what's written on your, on your Starbucks cup. Okay, Where I is just... mine? Hello? What is this? <laughs> Where is the love? You weren't here this on time. This is unbelievable. Sorry. Now they're okay, offering everybody. We, we put a, So oh our audience God. knows we put a coffee order in before the show started, but it, they just arrived. They uh, didn't arrive before the show started, so now we're, No love for me. Now mine's Angelica's just hot upset. chocolate, actually, but... I would have taken a hot chocolate. All right. It's too warm for hot chocolate. Oh, it's never (laughs) too warm for hot chocolate. What are you drinking? I'm just drinking my... Tall, non-fat, no-foam latte with one equal. Isn't that hot? I know it's tea with BVP, but I'm having a coffee. Mm. All right. (laughs) So we were talking about guppies and sharks, right? Oh, yeah. Did any of you ever have an aquarium when you were kids or have an aquarium now? My brother had an aquarium. Salt water or fresh water? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> Gold, I think because I think fish are fascinating we never had an aquarium but my sister had like a little fish bowl in her room once your ki- your kids um, don't want an aquarium well I don't want an aquarium oh so your kids don't want to you know we're gone too much you have to get someone to come over to just feed the fish I don't think so oh it's just uh, yeah. it's so hard to feed fish my gosh I had beta fish I have a question for you Angelica yes do Chilean sea bass speak Spanish yes they do <laughs> mm-hmm. I always wondered that I was wanna whenever I go to the fish the, the the seafood restaurant, I wanna ask them, does that Chilean sea bass speak Spanish? <laughs> wow. What do you think they would say if I asked them that? There's something wrong in your head. We should we should try that. <laughs> we should try that. Absolutely. Well, we'll try Walter, there's nothing wrong in my head. I I have you know, I'm <laughs> I'm supposed to like try to like revive the mood here and be funny or just mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I, you know, I'm under physical therapy right now. You guys have to be nice to me. I'm getting physical therapy yet again. Mm. This time for my neck and my shoulder and my arm. So mm. I thought I was having a heart attack. It was all going on my left side, but it's not. It's just actually a, like a pinched nerve. So anyway, you guys remember last week what I talked about? One of the things I talked about. You talked about so many things last I know. week. Well, 2017 teaching resolutions, right? Because we all yeah. last week was our first mm-hmm. show of the semester, right? Since 2017 started. And I told people to call in with their teaching resolutions. You know, what will you do differently? What will you do more of? What will you do less of? What will change in your teaching? So nobody called in and nobody mixlerized. Nobody said anything. So I want people to tell us what's changing about their teaching. This is a new year. Slackers. It's a new year. They're not slackers. It just, they forgot. They were having an, oh, Alice, okay, so. were having an Alice moment. They forgot to call in. <laughs> so we want people to call in with their teaching um, resolutions. Oh, by the way, speaking of resolutions, have you looked at Walter's face, Angelica? Yeah, it's a little bit shocking. Isn't it shocking? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. we need to take a picture and, and, I, I and tweet it, Luca. I think we should. Yeah, it's, Luca, a, it's we a need whole a, new look. We need to photoize this and, yeah. and put it out on, on the Twitter sphere. No, wait till it's actually, you know, like... Well, but the stages. Let's do oh. the stages. Oh, the stages. For those yeah. of you out there who have no idea what the heck we're talking about, 
Um, Walter is growing a beard. Walter is growing a beard. He's getting facial hair. I've never hair. done it before. And, really? Uh, nope. Huh. I've had I've had a goatee mm-hmm. before. Uh, my wife is not fond of it, so mm. we're going to see how, <laughs> how long it lasts. <laughs> Could be the next week it's gone. I don't know. Kind of makes it look kind of virile, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or just uh-huh. just vile or vir- take vir- virile and lose a syllable. He just looks vile. <laughs> oh, thanks. No, you look. You actually look very handsome, Walter. You look good with facial hair. I can't, well, I think it would take a lot more than hair. a facial hair to make me look handsome. But oh, you know. come on, dude. <laughs> See, I give him a compliment. What Unreal. happens? Yeah. All right. See, he got mad when I was calling him a volleyball. Now I gave him a compliment and look at him. can't win. Can't just, win. I tell no. you. This is my life. Okay, let me remind everybody what our topic is today. We're going to be talking about speaking and second language acquisition. Before we do that, um, let me remind everybody that we have the SLA challenge question. I will give the question in a few minutes. And the first person to make it to the phones with the answer wins the prize. And the same for the Diva challenge question. I'll read that question at some point. And you'll have time to call in with the right answer and also win a prize. So that's two questions, two sets of prizes. My God, I feel like Drew Carey on The Price is Right. I love it. He gives away a lot more prizes, though. Well, well not necessarily. We should have a big wheel. Oh, yeah. You know, like on The Price is Right. Yeah. You know, you spin for money, you spin for those points. Right. To see if you yeah. can go to make it to the showcase. We, we should maybe that. do that. The next time we have a live show, we can have a wheel. You know? mm. People mm-hmm. spin it and mm-hmm. win prizes. That'd be good. Win swag. There you go. I like it. Okay. All right. Okay, sounds good. Make it happen. Okay, and we also have, don't forget, we have Angelica's Quote of the Week, and we have Walter's Read of the Week coming up later. The number to reach us at is 517-884-4321. Again, that's 517-884-4321. Dustin is in there. I can see him through the glass partition, just anxiously waiting for those phones to ring. It's like, you know, he'd be really good at one of those charity shows where you call in and phone in money. Um, he'd be back there. Yeah, you want to donate fifty dollars? You want to donate hundred dollars? Yeah. Um, so he's waiting for you to call in, waiting for you to um, so he can pick up the line. Um, you can all uh, Angelica will be monitoring Mixler to see what issues come up there. But remember, we're a call-in talk show. Last week we didn't get many calls. I was a little disappointed. So maybe I'll maybe I'll say something provocative and make people get mad and call in. We're going like to start it. crying here if we don't get any calls. Yep, very I'll true. tell you what. If you if somebody calls in, I'll start stripping here in the studio. Oh, no thanks. Please don't call, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Please do not call. Hey, Walter. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to say it. I'm going to keep it to myself. Okay, anyway, so don't be shy. Pick up the phone. Kids, what's the number? Walter, what's the number? 517-884-4321. We got it. Yeah. Okay, well, you guys could call in. Well, well, if nobody calls, we will call in. Sure. How about that? I'll leave the studio. I'll call in from the hallway. That'll <laughs> work. All right. Well, Hi, this is Walter. I have a question. Okay, okay. Well, Walter stop, from stop, East Lansing, stop. Michigan. How Walter, can we help stop. you? I gotta get well, the, my question. Oh, got to get into the topic. <laughs> Look at time it is. We're taking up all the time. <laughs> sorry. Okay, what's our topic this week, Angelica? Speaking. Speaking. This week, our topic is speaking. What about it? What does it do for acquisition, if anything? And what's the difference between speaking and interaction? I think that's an important thing to to get down this week, the difference between speaking or making output and interaction. Okay, now, everybody knows, I hope everybody knows, that language is acquired through learners' engagement with communicative input. Now, by language, we mean that thing in your head, right, Walter? So if I were to open up Walter's head and look inside, he would have language somewhere inside his brain. So that's what we're talking about. So that thing inside his brain is only acquired through communicative interaction with communicative input or engagement with communicative input. 
Speaking is not input, so it can't serve the same role, and it can't be a substitute for input. So let's just make that clear right now that in, in the world out there of language acquisition, speaking doesn't substitute for anything. Okay, can't substitute for input. Um, now, speaking in and of itself does little for acquiring this linguistic system. Um, but could it play an indirect role? Could it be a beneficial role? What could speaking do if it does anything at all? Um, and what I want to suggest is that speaking um, plays an indirect role in acquisition as part of interaction. So we need to talk a little about what interaction is. Um, but what I mean here by, by speaking as part of interaction is if, if I talk to Angelica, or no, actually better if you were talking to me in German, if I practice Angelica, ready? No, 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 no! Don't do that. <laughs> so if I if I talked to Angelica in German, even I don't even know any German, but if I did, and she and she talked back to me, my speaking gets her to talk to me in German and gets me more input. It gets me the stuff I need for my language to keep growing, right? Because nobody's going to just sit around and talk at me. They want to talk with me, right? So speaking plays that sort of indirect role of getting the other person to give you more input and to, and to give you the kind of language that you need in order for your system to grow. So speaking as part of interaction could be beneficial in the sense that you keep the person engaged in talking to you. Um, and that same is true in classrooms. Uh, you know, it could be outside the classroom in the classroom. So, um, but there's a difference between speaking and interaction. I don't know if anybody, if, Walt, if I were to ask you, what's the difference between speaking and interaction, what would you say? Well, lots of people do a lot of talking or speaking but they're not necessarily interacting with another person. So what's the difference? Someone has to be, uh, it, it involves more than one person interacting. Right, but there's something else. Well, let's hear about it. Does interaction always mean you have to speak? No, not at all. Absolutely, that's the point I wanna make, is that speaking does not, uh, interaction does not necessarily mean that you have to speak. And I think we wanna remind people that particularly the novice levels, when I talk about interaction um, and getting learners to interact with, with the input, interact with teachers, it doesn't necessarily mean the students have to speak. You're forcing them to speak. Interaction is for me this. I'm going to offer a definition for people of interaction if they don't have this. It's any kind of signal about comprehension and involvement in a message. It could be a head nod. It could be a thumbs up. It could be a blank look on your face. It could be the look that Dustin's giving me through with his crossed arms right now in, in the, through the glass. It could um, be a grunt, right? Exactly. It could <clears throat> be a grunt. It could be a simple, and speaking could be a simple, it could be a one word, yes, no, maybe, um, my name, your name, whatever, it depends, right? So again, let's not, the interaction doesn't really mean that you're speaking in sentences or that you're communicating full-fledged. Interaction, particularly for novices, can just mean showing comprehension and being engaged somehow. Um, so, um, I know, I think it's very popular among a large sector or section of researchers in second language acquisition, and probably some teachers too, uh, to put a premium on forcing learners to speak. Gotta get them to talk, right? Get them to talk. That's a sine qua non of, of language. Uh, but here's the rub. The way we want to structure our classes, I think, is learners should speak because they have something to say not because you tell them to say something, okay? So you speak when you have something to say, and that's what communication is all about. So this whole idea of speaking being part of acquisition is, is not really 
the way we want to look at things. We want to look at speaking as part of communication and possibly part of interaction. But again, interaction doesn't have to be speaking. So if you want to get in on this conversation um, and talk about this or anything else for that matter, um, the number to reach us at is 517-884-4321. Again, Walter, since you're counting on your fingers there. 517-884-4321. We got it. Awesome. <laughs> you guys, Like I said before, you guys can call in. Okay, so we have some things fresh off the Twitter press. The Twitter um, press. Yes, that Luca passed to me. Luca posed the question out there. Does one have to speak a language in order to learn it? How many people do you think said yes to that, Angelica? 22%. Not bad. You'd be good on the prices, right? 26%. Okay. Right? So 26% said yes. 74% said no. So I think that's yeah. interesting of the people who, who responded. And there's a couple of ones in here that I want. There's a lot of good ones in here, but there's a couple I want to pull out for what they say. Um, Mikey writes in and says, I want to know if I listen to a language and repeat it over and over, what happens? Do people acquire this way? Is it beneficial? Um, again, he says, if I listen to a language and repeat it over and over, what happens? We don't know what that repetition does to yourself because that's not really speaking anyway. By speaking, we mean trying to communicate a message, hopefully. If you're just repeating something you're here, um, I, I don't know what that does. Nobody, nobody knows. My guess is it makes you feel good, right? But I don't, and if it makes you feel good, maybe you want to do it um, because we don't want to thwart anybody's motivation. But we're, we're not sure if it's really going to help you in the long run. Um, and when, um, when other person said um, uh, the following, and I think this is important, to, to try to get at, to, to, to tease apart. This is from Longinus, and Longinus says, you can only speak based on the grammar or the linguistic system you currently have. So speaking won't create new learning in your head, and that's absolutely what we were saying before, right? So um, it's, not that you, it's not that you speak to get new language, you speak using the stuff you already have in your head. And then Longinus continues and says, seems counterintuitive. I can't learn to play a song by listening or to play soccer by watching, I have to play. Here's the problem, Longinus. You've confused language in your head with skill. Now, speaking may be useful necessary for developing the skill of interaction and communication with language, but speaking is not necessary for getting language in your head. So you're correct about the first part, about speaking. You can only speak if you've got, you know, with the grammar you have in your head. The grammar gets in your head through, through your interaction with input, right? But learning to play a song by listening Actually, you might be able to. But your underlying representation for how music works, what notes are, what the notes sound like, all those kinds of things can indeed be gotten through listening. Okay, you process. <laughs> We're laughing. I'm sorry, but to interrupt myself, but Walter's reaching over to get a gummy bear <laughs> across the table. Oh, my gosh, Walter. Why did you bother to sneak like that? Just reach over and grab one. I didn't one. want to make any noise. Oh, well, okay. Okay, anyway, so... so that idea is you can get music in your head, but whether you can play it or not is different. Again, let's not confuse skill with what's in your head. And the same thing is about soccer. I can watch a lot of soccer and know how soccer works and get a, and get a, a very strong mental representation, very implicit about how the soccer works. And even my body would feel for, for how it would work in order to kick the ball and do certain moves and so on. But I don't, I don't know if I, I, the skill will actually go until I start doing it. Right? And so let's not confuse skill with underlying representation. 
So what you're saying then is practice doesn't make perfect? Um, no, I'm not sure. It, I don't know if it does or not. Uh, I don't know if it does. Practice can make a skill perfect, but practice is not going to make your grammar perfect. What's in your head gets there one way. How skill develops is still not clear. I know Robert DeKaiser might want to call and say, Bill, I disagree with you. We have abundant evidence. And I would say, Robert, I'm not sure the evidence is so abundant. We have some, but it's, I don't know if it's that abundant. But So Sarah is asking, in a language with very different sounds, does that repetition help with motor memory? I, I'm not, I'm, I don't like these terms of motor memory and stuff because they're applied to language acquisition, language learning that I don't know that there's any research on that. Mm. So I'm hesitant to talk about it. Okay. Um, oh, the phones are lighting up over here. So we've got a caller. Um, so we've got somebody in the line. Uh, we have Iot. Do we have Iot from Barcelona on the line? Yep. Hello. You're going to have to speak up uh, a little bit. I can hardly hear you in my headphones. Can you speak up a little bit? Oh, yeah. Hi, Bill. Hi, Angelica. Hi, Walter. Hello. Hi there, Iot. Funny. What's up? What's up? How's, 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 how are things in Barcelona? Good? Uh, pardon me? How are things in Barcelona? Good? How are things? Very cold. Freezing cold here. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, this winter has been pretty harsh. Well, we're having a nice winter here, nice and warm winter for our, for Mar Michigan. So. so what are you calling about, Eo? What's on your mind? What would you like to talk about? Well, first, I'd like to say hello. Um, not calling specifically about the topic you're you're discussing today. Okay. I've been been a fan of your show for I think since the beginning of the show, and had never called. And uh, just wanted to ask. Uh, just, I I I support 100% everything you say in the show, and but students have no idea, and they have different expectations about what language teaching and learning is. And I just wanted to know if there is, if you know of any article or if you know of any, uh, any book that has been specifically written to explain uh, what second language acquisition is, but for the, for the general public. For the general public, no. Um, I just finished one for, for teachers and teachers in training, and it's very not academic, and it'll come out this July from the American Council on Teaching of Foreign Languages, hopefully. I think we're, we're scheduling it for July now. Um, and But you give me a good idea. You know, maybe that'll be my next project. Maybe that's what I should work on. How's that sound, you guys? Should I do a little... I love it, Maybe yeah. a little short little thing, because students don't want to read too much anyway. The general public doesn't want to read too much, but maybe something really short and sweet that sort of summarizes things, right? Mm -hmm. What do you think, Eo? Should I do that? Uh, yeah, I think it would be great. <laughs> People, I, I'm a teacher in a language school. I, actually, I teach English. Uh -huh. And, uh, and uh, when you tell students, uh, let's do well, the topic of today's uh, show is speaking. They think that speaking, or, or they have the impression or uh, the assumption that speaking is more important than, than listening or reading or anything. Right. Uh, the school where I work, there's something called free speaking sessions. And the students get very excited about speaking sessions. And... Uh, you tell them, well, you have to read more, you have to listen more, and uh, and they don't seem to uh, to buy that that idea. Well, I, I I appreciate that. We've heard this before, and we uh, Walt and I have talked about this. We have problems in the Spanish program here, with students coming in sometimes, and they fight our program and our, and the expectations 
are different, and we concept explain explain. I think your idea is good to have something short and sweet. I'm going to work on that. Put that on my list, Dustin. Dustin's writing that down for me. So thank you, Eo. That's a great idea. I'm going to work on that. So okay, thank 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 all of you for this wonderful show. And uh, okay. Uh, if, if I do that, we'll try to put it up. I'll try to do something soon. I don't know when I'll get to it. Maybe this next month or so. Uh, maybe we can put it up on our resource um, page of the Tea with BVP website so people can just have it. It'll be something short and sweet. Not very long. It doesn't have to be very long for people. So That'll be great. And I'll pass it on to my students. Right. And you can, if you want to translate it into Catalan or in Spanish, and I don't know what language you speak, but it'd be great to have it translated into the languages and make it start to make it available around the world. So Actually, I'm Cuban. Oh, but that's another story for another show. Eres cubano, pero estás en España. Sí, soy cubano y estoy en España. Eso, ok. Esto lo vamos, eso vamos a platicar luego, ok? So we'll talk about but, that later. But I'm also learning, but I, I'm also learning Catalan, and then I've got my experience with and that, that's for another show. Okay, we'll, yeah. talk, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> okay, thanks for calling in, and, and you have a great day. I hope it warms up for you in Barcelona. Okay, thank you all for the great show. Okay, thank you for calling in. Thanks for calling in. Bye-bye. 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 Hey, was that our first Barcelona phone call? I think so, I think yeah. So, yeah. Right. Okay, I'm gonna, before we take our next phone call, I'm going to go ahead and give the SLA challenge question. You ready for this? Yeah. We're ready. Ooh. Um, um, this is the SLA challenge question. It's a very simple and easy one. Uh. Ready for this? Okay, because you can Googleize it in an instant. Who first proposed the interaction hypothesis in 1981. Again, who first proposed the interaction hypothesis in 1981? A timely topic for today. So find out who that is if you don't know. If you do know, call it in. I know some people already know the answer. And while we're waiting for the phones to ring on the SLA challenge question, we're going to take our next caller. It is Ken from my home country of California. Home country, yeah. Hey, Ken, are you there? (laughs) Good. I can barely hear you here. You can barely hear me? I can hear you nice and yeah. clearly. That's great. That's Wonderful. I, okay. That's because I have Verizon. What the heck do you have? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's the same. Oh, well, we should be hearing each other great then. Hey, Ken, what part of California are you calling from? Uh, Riverside area, Southern California. Oh, I know Riverside, of course, because I have relatives from Riverside. Oh, good. I'm a Bay Area, call I, I'm a Bay Area boy, but Go I ahead. have relatives in Riverside. Okay, yeah, so... So what's up? What are you calling about, Ken? What's going on? Well, I was curious. I was curious as to your. Um, did you were you involved in the production of the uh, show Destinos on Annenberg? Was I involved in the production? <laughs> of, I actually did a presentation one time. Uh, did you ever? Did you ever read that book by Kate Hepburn called? It was about the making of the African Queen. It was called the making of the African Queen, or how I went to Africa and almost lost my mind. So I did a presentation. I've heard of the title, but I missed. I, I missed did a presentation one time. I forget where it was. Was Actful or or Atisp or something um, that I said um, how I made Destino? No, uh, the making of Destinos, or how I went to Argentina, Spain, Puerto Rico, Mexico, and almost lost my mind. So I oh, was. Wow. I wrote the scripts. I was on set for all the filming. I actually had a bit part in a couple of episodes. Um, I was like the Barbara Streisand of Destinos. How's that? <laughs> I, actually di- I actually directed a couple episodes, too, when the director got sick. He put me in charge instead of oh. his assistant director, so, cool. which really ticked off the assistant director. But anyway, why would you ask that, Ken? What are you calling about? Well, I, I, th- I really enjoyed it. Speaking of interaction, you know, as a viewer, you, you get to see a, a good story unfold, and then 
you're involved in the in the process and the plot, and then there you have some questions you have to answer in a format on the Annenberg website. So I was just wondering when you're going to do a follow up to that show. Oh, my, did you not hear the title of my talk? How <laughs> 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 else? I I did Soliviento after, which was a wonderful project. I don't know if you've seen that a movie. Um, takes place largely in Chile, a little bit in Mexico, but largely in Chile. And no, then, I didn't. I'm glad I called. Yeah, okay. and yeah, I look for that. Soliviento. Um, that's not through Annenberg. That's through McGraw Hill. Okay, but it's not 52 episodes. No, it's just a, it's a 90 minute movie. It's it's oh, okay. it's segmentized, so you can watch it in segments. You don't have to watch the whole movie. And then I did uh, uh, two French movies, Liaison Encore, which Liaison came out a couple of years ago, and Encore just came out this year. Both of those are through um, Cengage. Um, and then I'm working on, not movies right now, but I'm working on a series of short stories for um, second language learners. So those will wow. be available really soon. I'll, I'll do a little announcement on that probably in a couple of weeks on the show or send a little email blitz out. Because um, I'm trying I'm to get... I'm excited about those because we're reading the, the, Blaine, the Blaine Ray uh, TPRS uh, ah. series right now. What level What level you teach, Ken? Well, I teach Spanish 2, uh, 3... This year, and I'm teaching an AP Spanish literature class also. Yeah, I don't know if these stories would be age appropriate. They have oh. they have <laughs> they have a little bit of adult themes in them, but um, they're no, okay. nothing risque. Don't get me wrong, but but you know, it just depends on who your audience is. You're from California, Riverside, it'd probably be okay. But <laughs> oh, okay. There are some parts of the country <laughs> that go, I'm not letting my students read that. You know, we won't even read To Kill a Mockingbird. So um, right, yeah. So you know what I'm saying. So anyway, yeah. Sure. So. Uh, yeah, that was my involvement. Any questions about SLA today? What's, what else is going on? Boy, I have no, I have no. Well, I can tell you that uh, some, from somebody in my camp, I, I do a little bit of. I play the fence, so to speak. I have to both. I'm trying to teach, you know, that language acquisition. At the same time, I also have a class like a Spanish literature where they basically just have to memorize the information, and spit it out on a test. So I'm going back and forth in the, on those a little bit. So we have an honors class also for a regular Spanish two and Spanish three, and then I'm trying to, you know, get the students to to perform what the honors classes want them to to be able to produce. And so I'm, again, in a Spanish department, you know, you kind of just have to do what you can to get along, and I'm right. just doing a little bit of everything. Well, we get we get lots of phone calls, Ken, and lots of. Uh, emails from people in that situation trying to juggle two different worlds. And we all do it. Walter and I do it here, and Angelica does it. Daniel does it. We all have to do it where there are different expectations and different goals and so on. And a lot of people who, quite frankly, don't know what language acquisition is and how it works, and that's that's part of the problem too. So, Yeah, well, right. good luck well, on all that kind of stuff. Thank you. Did, did you have a Bill of Rights coming out that you're going to produce in regards to or something like that in regards to the students should not be taking tests, and they should not be doing this or that. Yeah, that's I on thought, my. I thought you mentioned that's on my okay. to-do list. I got I got a longer to-do list than Santa Claus has naughty and nice children. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, so <Okay. laughs> his bill of Understood. rights. Ah, yes, that's good. Oh, that was what it was. Yeah. Right. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, okay. Thank you. Well, thanks for calling in, Ken. Have a great time there with your kids, and uh, keep in touch. And, and maybe I'll, I'll share some parts of, of of the first story that's that's just about to publish. And you can tell me if you think it's appropriate for your kids or not, What maybe what level. I'd be interested to hear what you think. Thank you very much. All right. Okay, Ken.
Thanks. Bye, Ken. No, no, no coasters or anything like that. Well, you haven't answered a question yet. You're going to take this. <laughs> oh, no, you're right. Well, I just figured I was calling number five or something. And I, oh, I was nice. man, you want you okay. want a lot for five bucks, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. All right. All right, Ken. Thanks. No idea on the SLA question. Thank you. Okay. All right. Great. Thanks. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye. Can you actually repeat the SLA question, please? I can repeat the SLA que- challenge question as I can. Very easy. Who first, F-I-R-S-T, first, who first proposed the interaction hypothesis in 1981? Okay. Angelica, speaking of interaction, Mm -hmm. do you have a quote for us this week? I sure do. It's short and sweet. Why is it sweet? Oh, you will will hear why it's sweet. Okay, okay. Here goes the quote. I'm all ears. You're so funny. Okay, here's the quote. We have two ears and one mouth, and we should use them proportionally. We hear that, Walter? Say that again for Walter's benefit. We have two ears and one mouth, and we should use them proportionally. And so why why are you... Because you weren't listening, that's why. I was listening. I heard it. But why do you think I You're need to hear Facebook it You're on Facebook over there, Instagram What do you mean I'm on Facebook? You're sending photos to people around the world. You are out of... The- I'm not saying anything anywhere. No, but that's a good quote because, you know, we have two ears and one mouth because, again, that actually speaks to language acquisition, right? Mm -hmm. That you should spend more time listening and comprehending language if you want to get language in your head than trying to speak. Uh, That's a good – who's that quote from? Susan Cain, author of Quiet, the Power of Introverts in a World that Can't Stop Talking. Ooh, I'm going to have to get me that book. Mm-hmm. I have to get me that book. That sounds good. Yep. I like that. Well, thank you. That's a good quote. Absolutely. We'll have to post that. Luca, post that on the website. I like that quote. Okay. We got another caller on the phone here. Um, we have Ryan from the great state of Texas, or what I like to refer to as northern Mexico. Ryan, are you on the line? <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, I'm here. Hey, Hi. Ryan. Hi. What's Hi. up? How's life in oh, Texas? Huh? How's life in Texas? Um, It's fine. It's not cold at all. It's, <laughs> it's a nice brisk 50 or so degrees outside. So well, it's, it's going to be nice. 50 tomorrow here, I think. Like, is it going to be 50 tomorrow? Or is it this really? weekend? Yeah, it's yeah, going to be yeah. Yeah. 56 wow, or something. Wow, I haven't even paid it's any crazy. attention to Hell the weather. Hell yeah. I'm loving it. So, Ryan, right. what's up? What are you calling about? Well, I was calling for two reasons. I was One of the things I was wondering was, um, you know, a lot of times when people think of a proficiency-oriented classroom, they really think of only output, and so I think they put a lot of emphasis on the output. Correct. But if output is just the evidence of acquisition, more or less, of you know acquisition happening and it's finally and essentially overflowed enough to be expressed, is that right? Yeah, yeah. In a certain sense, you're correct. Speaking communication, so, I mean, and speaking in the sense of proficiency emerges through interaction with language over time. Yeah, if I can. If that's what okay. you mean, yes. So, yeah, so wouldn't output more or less just serve as kind of a where they're at in terms of what they've acquired? Not necessarily because you could actually, I mean, I know what you're saying, but you always are going to have more in your head that you can, than you can produce. Right. That, that's just a given um, for a variety of reasons. And so, um, so if we get students to sp- speak, um, or at, if, let's, let's see, we give them some kind of oral proficiency assessment just to see where they are. They could have more language in their head than what comes out in their output because output always lags behind everything else in terms of, of all the skills. And it doesn't represent necessarily what's in your head in terms of underlying mental representation. 
Um, okay. But yes, I think what I think uh, again. I think the way to, as I was talking about Longinus's um, quote or not quote, but his tweet, is that we have to separate skill from the representation of what's going on in the mind slash brain. And so right. speaking as a skill emerges over time as a skill, and language is developing in the head as a mental representation over time differently and through different processes. And so, okay. uh, you know, and so, but you're on the right track. I think what you're saying is I, I tend to agree with it. I like, I like the way your thinking okay. is headed. Oh, okay. And what um, I was going to ask you, you, I think you just referenced some sort of publication. I've, I'm actually in class right now. My class is being very sweet and kind and so quiet. Oh, nice. Um, to allow me to talk. <laughs> What'd you do? Glue them to but, the uh, seats? <laughs> Velcro. Yeah, Velcro. <laughs> Something like that. But uh, what um, publication did you reference? You said somebody who was talking about – I know you had written about mental representation and skill, um, but are you talking about another publication as well? No, I, I didn't – today I haven't referenced anything, but no. I've, oh, I, I've, written, I've written about the difference between representation and skill. Um, right. I don't know if anybody else has really, but I know that I've been trying to really be very clear about this like over the last five or six years for people. So Okay. Um, I've also got an answer to the SLA challenge question. You do? Yeah. All yeah, right. Bring it on. Okay, then. So this, this Ryan wants a set of coasters uh -huh. here. Let's see if he gets one, two, three, or four coasters, Angelica. <laughs> okay. Well, Ryan, let me repeat the question, and then you can uh, give us the answer. Here's the question. Who first proposed the interaction hypothesis back in 1981? I believe it was Rod Ellis. Rod Ellis. No. No. Ding, ding. Oh, no what? coaster for you. We're just... Oh, we can send we can send you a used coaster. How's that? Just for calling in. <laughs> Thank you so much. We have used coasters. No, actually, Rod Ellis didn't even start writing anything until about the about 1985 or so. Um, this is somebody who's been around a little bit longer than him, um, and who oh, okay. and who disagrees a lot with Rod Ellis, by the way. <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say about that. So, um, okay, but we'll send you. We won't send you coasters. We're going to send you a little consolation prize for trying the question anyway. Okay. Oh, thank you. All right, so did you give your information to uh, Dustin? You did, right? Uh, not yet. Okay. Not yet. Well, then make sure you do that because you probably didn't tell him that you wanted to answer the question, so he's going to need to get that from I you. didn't. I'm sorry. Okay, and then we'll, we'll, get a, we'll give you a little consolation prize. All right. Well, okay. thanks, Ryan. Right. Thank you. Okay, talk right. later. Bye-bye. Take Ryan. care, Ryan. Bye-bye. Bye. That was, uh, that was a nice try, Ryan, but no cigar. We need to get, what's his name, Eot back on the phone so we can get a Cuban cigar. Ooh, yeah. Nice try and no cigar. <laughs> Yeah, this is sometimes where Mixler has it wrong. Oh, oh, they're Mixlerizing us, huh? Mm. Oh my gosh! Mm. Some oh, people so have Mixler it right. And if this though. person, if this person found out people were attributing us to Rod Ellis, I think he'd, he'd he's gonna call me and say, mm. "Don't let that happen." <laughs> I shouldn't I shouldn't perpetuate that kind of stuff. Anyway, all right then. So uh, while we're waiting for our next phone call. Uh, maybe I'll put the diva challenge question out there. We we'll have yeah. both at the same mm -hmm. time. Luca, can I? Can I? Can we do both at the same time, Luca? Do you mind? I have to ask my producer. He doesn't mind. He says, "Go ahead." Okay, so we have two questions out now. We still have the SLA challenge question. Here it is: Who first proposed the interaction hypothesis in 1981? We want to give away those coasters. Actually, Walter wants to give away his car, so he's ready yeah. to put his car up. If you're <laughs> going to get me a brand new one, maybe. Okay. So, God, I really do feel like Drew Carey today. Okay, and the diva challenge question is the following. Jennifer Lopez, notice how I try to sneak my Latino homies in there. Jennifer Lopez got her first high-profile gig as a fly girl dancer on what TV show in 1991? Repeat. 
Jennifer Lopez got her first high-profile gig as a fly girl, uh, which is a dancer, on what TV show in 1991? So call in, let Dustin know if you're going to do the SLA Challenge question or the Diva Challenge question. All right, while we're waiting for somebody to call in, uh, we have uh, anything going on in Mixler. Who's who's perpetuating wrong answers on on Mixler there? I can't can't tell you that. She can. I want to know. No, I can't. I'm not going to tell you. I want to embarrass them. No, I'm just kidding. Uh Uh-oh. Okay, well, do we have any email questions coming in or any other comments from Mixler? Something going on? I mean, we have some questions on email, not particularly related to the topic. but Well, I, I have s- a question related to the topic. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Lance was writing on Mixler. Bill, any comment on why the 26% from the Twitter survey, which we presume our teachers might think speaking is necessary? You know, my guess is that, um, that they're probably confusing against skill and mental representation, that if you have to speak in order to learn how to speak. I think... There's a partial truth in that, and, and I, I'm thinking that might be where that comes from, Lance. So um, I think that most of our listeners now are probably in tune to the idea that you actually get language or head through input. Um, but speaking might be beneficial in some way. They're just not sure how. Um, but of those people who aren't sure how, I think some of them are, at least are thinking that l- speaking is at least related to skill development, again, which is a separate, separate set of processes or a separate phenomenon from developing representation. Although it's kind of it's kind of odd because you do have to again interact with people to get language, to get input. And so um, the as your skill in speaking develops, the more language you can get from people too. So it's it's, it's just kind of a it's kind of a weird situation to be in in terms of acquisition. Um, all right. Um, let's see here. Let me look at one more um, Twitter uh, comment here then we'll see if Walter has a question there. Um, the um, I love this quote here, and this is similar to somebody else's. Um, Ginny says that, no, you don't have to speak in order to learn language, but it certainly helps to get the taste of it in your mouth. Yeah, nice. I, yeah. I, you know, but somebody else said something similar. That's what, that, that's, that's what I mean. Um, how does this person say it? Um, oh, yeah. Um, from my own learning, somebody else, from my own learning of language, I like to say, that the, the, I like to say the language to myself to feel it in my mouth. So there's something going on in people, at least with teachers anyway, because these are all teachers. I don't know about students or lay people. But there's something about teachers saying, I kind of like to say things out loud. And then Mikey said, you know, what if I listen and I say it out loud to myself or whatever, repeat it, about maybe getting that taste in your mouth, whatever that means. Um, So, you know, that's that's, that's a social question. Uh, Maybe socioculturalists would look at that a a, a way – from the affective and social component more so than the psycholinguistic or linguistic component. But anyway, all right, I'm getting a signal here that we've got another call on the phone. We've got Keith calling from, what's GA, Walter? Georgia. 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 Mm-hmm. Peach State. Georgia. All right, so Keith's on the line from Georgia. Keith, are you there? Yes, I am, Bill. Hey, Keith, how you doing? What part of Georgia are you calling from? Uh, the metro Atlanta area. The I'm metro Atlanta area. You weren't in the workshop last summer when I was down there, were you? Uh, I was at ISP, but I was I don't I think when you came out out to Georgia I wasn't I wasn't at it. Okay, because I think there was a Keith. There was like 45, 46 people in the workshop. Um, all the metro area teachers were there for a week, and I think there was a Keith in there, if I recall. No, it wasn't me. Say what? It wasn't you. What? It was not me. It was not you. Oh well. Okay. Well, maybe next time. Well, I'll see you this summer at IFLT. A or yes, I will. IFLT. I'll okay. be there, and I hope to see you there. Yeah, I'll be there in Denver. We will. Sit around and <clears throat> drink together. <laughs> okay, Keith. 
So what's up? What are you calling about? I'm calling about the Diva Challenge. Oh, you're calling about the Diva Challenge. Okie dokies. This Keith thinks he knows his Jennifer Lopez, his J-Lo. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to repeat the question for the audience, and then, uh, Keith, you can give your answer. Are you ready? Okay, Jennifer Lopez got her first high-profile gig as a fly girl dancer on what TV show in 1991? Go. Uh, In Living Color. Dang, 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 dang. Yay! That was a great show. Do you ever used to watch that? Or were you around then? Yes, I was. I was in college at that point. Oh, yeah. I watched it every Sunday night. Do you remember who the uh, creators uh, or the creator was of In Living Color? Keenan Ivory Wayne's. Keenan Ivory Wayans, one of the Wayne brothers, yes. Keenan was the, the, yep. And he had two of his other brothers involved in the show, right? Um, and yeah, Damon Wayans, and I forget his other brother. Yeah, I forget too. There's like so many of them. It's like the Jacksons. I don't know how many there are. <laughs> and then there was Tim Wayans. There was, it was a whole family. Thing. Yeah, yeah. And do you remember that? Who was that woman who played Grace Jones? Oh my gosh, she was so funny. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, great show. Well, good for you. Great. <laughs> well, we're going to send you off a nice little gift. Thank you for answering that question. Okay. And I, I, I enjoy I enjoy listening to you. I appreciate all you're you're doing with the show. Well, thank you. We enjoy we enjoy people like you listening, and we enjoy people like you calling in, Keith. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye, Keith. Bye, bye. Bye. That was nice. I hope to see Keith in Denver this summer. That'd be great. Okay, Walter, give me an email question or something. Okay, I have a question from Walter in East Lansing, Michigan. Get, and, oh, Walter. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want to ask this question because I know it's out there and. And, uh, so you're you're like a surrogate asking for other people. Correct. Because, and you're and synthesizing. Is, all right. So so the question about speaking okay it doesn't contribute perhaps to the the mental representation, but how what is the implication of that for the classroom? So as a classroom teacher, does that mean that we should limit the amount of speaking that students do, or is is it that our goal in the classroom is eventually to get them to be able to speak? Mm, I mean, as a if I if I say okay, I, my goal is I need to be a, I'm a classroom teacher. What does what does that mean for me on a day to day basis if if speaking doesn't contribute to the to the development of mental representation? And there you have it. Okay, um, that is Walter. Why doesn't Walter ever ask easy questions? <laughs> Do you ever notice that when he reads the email questions yep. from people, he reads the ones Very that I should complex. answer in writing mm-hmm. as opposed to the ones that yep. we can do in a fifty minute show. Um, that is so complex and involves everything from the use of tasks to how you structure your curriculum and so on. But let me just give you one short sentence that gives an insight into the bigger picture. If there's one thing you walk away with, it's don't force learners to speak. Okay, because one of the things I said earlier in the show was learners should speak because they have something to say, not because you make them speak, right? And so the, I, one of the implications, not the only one, but one of the implications is you should have tasks and activities in class that make students want to say something. Um, and, but they should be able to say something with, with the abilities that they have. Um, and so that's all I'm going to say about that. Because we could get into a lot of detail and a lot of curriculum development, but this, again, this is only a 55-minute show. So, gosh, Walter. The end. Okay. The end. The end. Can you repeat the SLA challenge question? Again? My God, for the tenth. Well, I don't know. Time. Nobody's calling in. I feel people may not have heard it. All right, I will. I will repeat it for the tenth time, people out there. And all you mixer people who know the answer, call in. Yes. Remember, the answer is not Rod Ellis. Okay. Who first proposed the interaction hypothesis in 1981? Do I need to? Should I give a hint? No. No. Should I give a hint? No. 
Should I give a hint? Okay, I have no. a question now. Ready? Should I give a hint? No. Okay, Walter has a question. It Go, It doesn't Walter. have to do with the topic, but I'm going to ask right. it. Ask anyway. it anyway. All right. Hola, Bill. This is from Elaine. She says, I'm trying. I'm sorry. I'm ready to try a task activity, but need a little guidance. My question to the students is, ¿Qué hay en tu refrigerador? Which sure. means, what is there in your refrigerator? Followed by, ¿Prefieres comer en casa o en un restaurante? Do you prefer to eat in, at home or in a restaurant? Followed by, ¿Cuál es tu restaurante favorito? What's your favorite restaurant? My typical teaching is to continue with lots of follow-up questions. How do I turn this into a task? Thanks in advance for your help. Well, the first thing you do to turn something into a task is to ask yourself, what is it that we want to find out about ourselves? So if you ask, what's in your refrigerator? Why do I want to know that? What am I going to find out? What's, what's, what's that going to get me? And so the, the idea you have to have is you have to have a, a broader question that that question is trying to answer. So for example, to turn that into a task, um, and we've talked about that particular question, I think, on the air before. So let's say, I want to know what kind of person you are. So tell me what's in your refrigerator. I can guess two things about your personality based on what's in your refrigerator. That's how you make a task out of that. So we did this before, remember? So Walter, name something that's in your refrigerator. Milk. What else is in your refrigerator? Uh, cucumbers. Cucumbers. Okay. One other thing that's in your refrigerator, Walter. Um, lettuce. Lettuce. Okay, Angelica, based on that right now, mm-hmm. I know you already know Walter, but in the classroom we wouldn't know each other the way that Angelica and Walter do. Can you say one thing that you can infer about Walter based on that? He eats very healthily. He eats very healthily. <laughs> okay, so let's find I out. Try. Let's. He, you think he's a healthy person? Yeah. Okay, let's find out. Okay, Walter, name two other things in your refrigerator. Cheese. Cheese. Okay, Angelica, is cheese healthy? In moderation. Okay, there we go. So maybe I might be putting a scale on the board at this point with my students saying healthy foods and healthy foods and starting to put what Walter is. Okay, so Walter, name something else in your refrigerator. Um, ranch dressing. <laughs> ranch oh, dressing. Walter is not healthy. Okay. Tomatoes. Walter is healthy. Now see, here's one thing I would be inferring Apples. from Walter right now. Is Walter's not lazy. Mm-hmm. Why would I infer that? Fresh fruit. He's got food in there that he needs to cook and prepare. Mm-hmm. He's not saying pizza. Yep. He's not saying uh, frozen French fries. He's not saying he's saying foods that he's got to do something with in order to make a meal, right? Mm-hmm. And then we could keep going on. Those would be my. And then we keep getting information through this task, and that's and and, and that's what a task is. A task is trying to figure out about ourselves through the things we do. That's not the only thing tasks do, but that, that's one thing tasks do. So who was that, Walter? Was that Elaine? Who was that? That was Elaine, Elaine. Yeah. So Elaine, so your task has to have this broader idea of what do we want to find out? What is this? What is When I ask students these questions, what does it get me? What, what does it tell us about each other? Um, that's one way to look at tasks. There are other ways to look at tasks, but, but that's one way. Okay, we have uh, Melanie calling from New York. She's on the line. Melanie, are you there? I am. Hey, Melanie, what part of New York are you calling from? Um, Buffalo, Rochester area. Oh my gosh! Are you guys? Do you guys have a lot of snow right woo, now? Woo! Yes, Walter. Yeah. We have no snow right this minute. Oh, my! I have one recollection of Boston. It was in winter, driving across. You know, I went through Windsor, cut across Canada, went through 
Buffalo on my way to Massachusetts, and I got caught in a squall in a snowstorm, and I had to pull over and, and find a motel fast. Um, and that dumped two feet of snow that night. <laughs> I will tell you that the trip back from the actual convention this year was torturous. Oh, I, no. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, I understand, Melanie, that you're calling about the SLA question. I am. I did have to Googleize it, and I feel that I have um, um, maybe an answer, but I have also seen um, a comment that it's being incorrectly credited to this person. But I know you want to repeat the question. Okay, so let me repeat the question. Who first proposed the interaction hypothesis in 1981? Go. Michael Long. Correct. Yeah. That is the answer. Ding, ding, and ding, it's ding, not ding, incorrectly. Ding. It's not incorrectly attributed to him. He actually was the first person to do that. Um, now there was Evelyn Hatch in the late '70s did talk about the role of discourse, but she didn't propose interaction hypothesis. So when when Mike actually proposed it, in fact, um, when Mike actually proposed it, he was pulling together different ideas that were out there in the field and looking synthesizing SLA research at the time. So so there, so I can see why people think it might be. A credit to somebody else, but really, technically, he was the one who first proposed the concept of, quote-unquote, the interaction hypothesis. Well, good for you, Melanie. You're going to get a little prize. So exciting. Thank well, you so much. Well, great. Thank you. And we're going to say goodbye to you. Dustin's got your information. We've got another call on the he line. He sure does. All right. Perfect. Be good. Thanks. Okay, enjoy Thanks. the weather. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. Bye, bye, Melanie. Bye. bye, Melanie. Okay, Walter, so that actually is funny because I did not know what your reading was for today, and your reading for today is what? Well, ladies and gentlemen, Walter's read of the week is Michael H. Long's article from the December December of 1981 entitled Input, Interaction, and Second Language Acquisition. And this was published in the Annals of the New York Academy of Sciences. Interesting. Very intriguing. And so if you want to learn more about this interaction hypothesis and input in second language acquisition... Head on over to your local library and see if they have a copy of it or find it online somewhere. So, again, it's uh, Input, Interaction, and Second Language Acquisition by Michael H. Long, first published in December 1981 in the Annals of the New York Academy of Sciences. There you go. And actually, and I like the title because what's the first word in the title? Input. And that's where, that's where the interaction hypothesis links mm-hmm. interaction with input and acquisition. So... Um, it's a foundational reading, so go get it, look at it. Um, Mike Long has been a long-standing figure in the field, a great, great, great guy, a great scholar. Okay, we have an old guy. We have another phone call. Oh, my God, we went from Barcelona to the other side of the world. Now we got a call from down under from Australia. Kathy, are you on the line? Yeah, I am. Good day. Hey, good day, Kathy. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, great, great, thanks. Yeah. Oh, so what? So I understand the SLA challenge has been answered, eh? Well, it just has been answered. Were you calling about that? Right. Oh, well, I could call about that. I was, well, yeah. But that's okay. Um, I was just going to say that Michael Long is the name of a very well known Australian footballer, an Aboriginal footballer. So, <laughs> um, really? Yeah, I wonder yeah, if our so, Michael Long knows that. I'm going to have to tell him that. I think we should send her a little consolation prize for just absolutely. bringing that little yep. tidbit up. That was excellent. I like that. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was a really great footballer. I think he's retired now. Okay. So anything else you want to talk about? Did you uh, have another question? Do you have a question for us other than us giving a question to you? No, I, uh, no not really. But I, 
just wanted to say that I'm not sure if you're all aware, but we in, we're in South Australia at the moment. Well, I'm in South Australia at the moment, and we are mid uh, conference, if, you, if that's the right word. We're having the inaugural TPRS conference in South Australia, and leading it is Terry Waltz and Lizette Liebold. Oh, wow. And we're, we had day one yesterday, and we've got day two today. And then day three tomorrow, and it has been amazing. Great, good for you. That's great. Good for you. Good, yeah, good, good. Yeah, good. So, yeah, you... so there's a couple of us down here who have been doing it, have been experimenting, if you like, with TPRS in our classrooms for two years, and this has been the first opportunity for us to access mm -hmm. um, TCI training in Australia. So that's really exciting. That's great. Mm. That's great. So you say you're in Southern Australia. Yeah, yeah. The name of the state is South Australia. Okay, and so so what city mm -hmm. is the conference being held in, or what town? Well, it's not a city; it's a town. We the capital city of South Australia is Adelaide, right. and the, the town is that we're holding it is Port Elliot, which okay. is a hundred kilometres south of Port El of Adelaide. Adelaide, yes, yes. I know mm -hmm. where Adelaide is. Yes. Well, great. Well, good yeah, for you guys. Yeah, Congratulations yeah. that you're doing that. And um, mm. so, is this your first time listening to Tea with BVP, or you're a long time? Oh God. No, I've been listening for several years. My my moniker is Boo Cathy. So, um, oh, okay. And yeah, no. Well, yeah, no, I've been listening for many years. This is the first time I've plucked up the courage to, to phone. Oh, wow. wonderful. You'll awesome. have to get us again next time. Get in there early on that SLA question. and, and, and uh... <laughs> Well, to be honest, I, was, I have been trying for about 10 minutes. Oh, but I couldn't. I couldn't factor out the codes to ring, and every every one I got was that number has been disconnected. Oh no! Oh, no, oh, no, that's no, not no, no, no! Right. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> I just kept trying, and it finally gelled. Yeah. Yeah, but can I give a special shout out to somebody who I really hope is listening? Sure. Yeah, Katerina yes. in New Jersey, our wonderful mentor who has supported us on our entire journey. We couldn't have done it without her, so I'd like to say a special shout-out to her. Well, great. Katarina to New Jersey, there. You got your shout-out, and everybody in Australia loves you. There you go. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> well, great, Kathy. Yeah. Well, tell everybody down there at the conference that Tea with BVP says hi, and we wish you all the best of luck and have a great, successful Fantastic. rest of the conference. Terrific. I will do. Thank okay. you. All right. Well, thanks for calling. Yeah. Thanks so much for calling. No, okay. no worries. Okay. See, you, see you next time. Bye-bye. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye, Kathy. I have to Hi. say something. Bye-bye, Kathy. I have to say something about this, um, the TPRS stuff and a lot of the people who are working with that kind of method now. It is really gaining ground and really seeing, we're seeing more and more and more of it. And I think that's kind of interesting for lots of reasons. It's, it's a good thing, and it's interesting as well. Um, and so we might have to actually have a show about that, what's going on. Why that phenomenon mm -hmm. is happening? Because it's—I don't want to say like—I don't want to say like it's a wave, but it, there's something going on out there with a lot. Because you know we're going to have our first conference in Michigan at the end of April, um, April 22nd. Um, I'm going to be the keynote in the morning. Um, it's called Mitten CI. Those of you who, out there who don't understand that, Michigan is the bottom part of Michigan. Southern Michigan is shaped like a mitten, oven mitten. And so they're calling it Mitten Comprehensible Mitten CI. And so. We're just seeing this crop up more and more and more and more, and I think that's really that's really interesting. So if we keep our eye out for that. So any other uh, mixlerized stuff going on or questions? Wally, no questions from you? No easy ones? Well, Don't give me the hard ones. No, no. I've got a quick question here okay. from Federico. 
Hey, Federico. It appears that he is from Spain, according to his email. Anyway, and he says, congratulations on the program. Wonderful. Love it. I wanted to know Yay. if you had discussed whether comedy can play any specific role in second language acquisition. It keeps people interested. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It keeps people hanging on your every word. <laughs> if you can, if the problem with comedy is it's culturally specific. So you have to find that comedy that speaks to second language learners because a lot of the comedy I do, for example, would never work in an ESL class. It would never work with anyone under the age of 18 either, but that's another story. So, um, so the problem with comedy is, you know, it's got nuance and it's got culture connotations to it that may make it incomprehensible input as opposed to comprehensible input. Um, so I don't know how, how it would work. Um, but a humorous teacher with a good sense of humor is captivating, um, does a lot in the classroom to, uh, to help keep students' attention. Because if people aren't paying attention, there ain't no language acquisition going on, right? You got to attention, pay attention to what's being That's said right. to you. Good. Any other comments? Angelica, you're looking at me funny over there. No, that's just how I look. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's your comedy, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, oh, here's interesting. Um, this is from Twitter. Um, Miriam, to answer that, that question that Luca put out, does anyone have to, do you have to speak a language in order to learn it? Miriam says, depends on the skill. Yay. Mm -hmm. She she, there we go. Somebody actually said skill. Depends on the skill. She goes, I know people who can read a language but don't speak it. Also sign languages. Well, mm -hmm. don't forget sign, signing is speaking. That's production and, and signing. So that signing is the equivalent of speaking. Um, but yeah, you can, um, again, um, you can have a tremendous amount of representation in your head uh, but not speak language. And, and some people attrite in language over time, which means you lose some of the skill in your first language as you're getting a second language, if you're immersed in a second, let's say Walter moved to Japan and he lived there for 15 years and he never spoke any English, he just spoke Japanese. He could start to wax and wane on some of his stuff in English um, because he's not using it. But his mental representation tends to stay intact except for some peripheral parts. Um, and so, um, so we know that that happens. Um, language is not... Uh, necessarily always cut and dry in terms of how it exists in our heads. There's parts of it that are susceptible to movement, as it were. We call it the peripheral parts or the interfaces. But anyway, so, oh my God, look at the time. I just looked, the clock is ticking. Tick, tick, tock, tick. Look at that, 12, 13, I'm just kidding. Did you um, watch Sherlock? Say what? Sherlock? No. I don't watch Sherlock. Tick tock. No. No, no, nothing. Nothing. Well, that means I got to start doing our acknowledgments. So I'm going to start doing our acknowledgments. Walter, you want me to do the acknowledgments? I'm going to do the acknowledgments. You want me to do them? I can no. do them. No, I'm going to do them. I'm going to do them. Next week when I'm <laughs> tired, you can do them. Okay. When you're tired. First, <laughs> first, we always thank our technical producer, Daniel Trago. Thanks, Daniel. Our media producer, Luca Giappone. Thanks, Luca. The talented and trusty call handler. He's just a handler, period. Destin DeFelice. <laughs> Our wonderful assistant production manager, Jeff Maloney. The College of Arts and Letters at Michigan State University, especially our wonderful dean, the fabulous Christopher Long. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed in this program do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Letters, any of our sponsors, or any other official entity of Michigan State University. And speaking of the college, please don't forget to go and look at some of the other podcasts going on in the college. We've got some good ones going on here at MSU. And of course, we thank all of you listeners out there from all over the world today, Barcelona, Australia, 
Georgia, California. We had it all today. That was great. So join us next week. Um, I actually forgot to write the topic down for next week, so you just have to wait and get the newsletter on it. Um, so until next week, have a great weekend. Enjoy your weather wherever you are. And happy second language acquisition to all of you out there. Auf Wiedersehen. Goodbye, everybody. Oh, you kids are so good. That's nice. Race it's nice well. that you say goodbye. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, such a nice guy, too. But good little guppies you are. <laughs>